and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, Episode 1, Buffy versus Dracula. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> we're back, Season 5. I can't believe we're here. Did you miss us? <laughs> I, how could they possibly miss us? It's not like we go anywhere on our breaks. <laughs> <laughs> we did even take a break. <laughs> Well, oh, yeah, we took a week. Remember, we took a week. Uh, they don't know that, though. They, to them, <laughs> yeah, secret, secret break. a secret break. They're going to be like, "You guys are lazy." <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's good to be here in season five. Um, it's good to be at another premiere episode because they're always so strange, aren't they? And you were telling me just as I we hit record that you love this episode. I do. I'm not going to defend it as being a great episode. But it's very camp, and I think that's what I like about it. It's fun. It's a really interesting opening after what happened at the end of season four. It set things up for the season. That's what I'm going to talk about uh, with you, and I'm going to convince you. I'm not going to convince you that this is a fantastic episode, but I'm going to show you how deeply this episode gets its hooks into you in terms of what season five is going to be doing. My thing about this episode is that it's weird. It's just it's just odd. I was like, what am I watching? I completely agree with you that it is setting the table for what is going to be a, a hopefully a delicious meal this 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 season. Um, but to me, when I'm watching this episode, yes, you're right. The camp is there. Uh, they've jacked the lighting to like a one million. Everyone looks lit up and beautiful. <laughs> But for me, it's 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 that it's almost like somebody watched the first four seasons of Buffy and then decided to write a fanfic where they collaborated the Buffyverse with Dracula-verse. And this is the outcome. And all the actors just agreed, yeah, we'll be in your fanfic. And that's what it feels like to me. It just feels off-center. It's like, it's just, it's just not a normal Buffy episode for me. I, I'm sorry, Steph. We just talked about Restless. <laughs> but at least, at least Restless was the Scoobies in a normal setting, even though they're in dreams, you know? like What about where the wild things are? <laughs> Again, at least we're inside the Buffyverse. The, the <laughs> vampires in this episode don't even follow the same rules as the vampires in the Buffyverse. Oh, are- are you sure about well, that? Well, we're going to discuss it, absolutely. But, like, there's one scene where I was like, what is this? <laughs> I am looking forward to talking about oh, it. Oh, me too, we do. So it was hard for me to settle in. It was hard for me to, like, oh, okay, a Buffy, Buffy season five. Uh, when I was just kind of like, what is this? What? Who's this, you know? So let's, let's talk about it because it's going to be good. What I want to say right off the bat is Buffy's hair looks fantastic in this episode. Thank you. I I 
feel like I'm always the one pointing out how much I envy her hair. So I really appreciate you bringing this up because I had the same thought from the very first scene and I just didn't want to say it. No, you should say it because it's true. Uh, She looks fucking fantastic. And uh, her hair, this is the best hair so far. Season five Buffy has the best hair of all the Buffies is what I'm going to is what I'm saying now. (laughs) I haven't even watched the last two seasons, but it looks great. People, people are going to fe- forget all about you giving Angel a pass, and now they're going to come <laughs> for you about your opinions on Buffy's hair. Oh, we should talk about my hot steak later. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I she looks great. And if you don't agree with us, you're wrong, because <laughs> her hair looks fantastic. Um, okay, so we, we start with Buffy in bed next to Riley, a little roughy action right off the right off the bat. Uh, ooh, right off the bat. This is a pun. This is a Dracula pun. Uh, <laughs> listeners can't see it, but Kara really didn't like that pun. Um, uh, so Buffy can't fall asleep. I, I too would be very disappointed if I were in bed next to Riley. <laughs> You're like, wow, how did I get here? Lots of late night thoughts. Um, suddenly Buffy gets out of bed and she's running through a cemetery, like chasing gunning for this vampire and the vampire's running for his undead life he's like i'm not even asian like what's the what gives (laughs) i'm just minding my own business out here um buffy catches up to him they fight a little bit she stakes the shit out of him he dusts she gets back into bed and falls asleep comfortably next to riley after her little run my question was at first and i think i figured it out pretty quickly after that but my, my question when i was watching it was where are they are they in buffy's bedroom I think so. Okay. That's what I figured too. I was like, okay, so they must be in Buffy's bedroom. In which case, Joyce. Joyce is pretty progressive letting the boyfriend sleep over. Unless Joyce is out of town. Unless Joyce had her own midnight rendezvous to run to. (laughs) Her own vampire to chase. A peroxide vampire, you might say. Yeah, I don't know. I I just found that interesting. I was like, when I was 19, no way in hell was my boyfriend allowed to sleep over. So Joyce is progressive. Cut to credits. I'll add that Anya is now a series regular in the credits. Not Tara, though. No, but she is at least credited as Tara at the very end. So that means she got more money. Oh, is that true? Special deal. That's what happens? Well, not necessarily that she got more money, but uh, how you get credited, like where your name shows up in credits for stars, guest stars and stuff, that's all negotiated by your agent, right? So um, when people are credited with name as character that usually means that you received like additional consideration right that was extra special oh i didn't know that but also i noticed in this credit that anthony stewart head is listed as anthony stewart head as giles and i can't remember if that's always been the case but that must mean he also is getting more money. Right. Again, I, I'm not sure it directly corresponds to more money all the time. But yeah, he that got negotiated. And that's something to, to pay attention to as seasons go on. Nice. So uh, the Scoobies are on the beach. We have a beach day. This is nice. We've never had a beach day, uh, which makes sense. Like they should be on the beach all the time. Don't they live in Sunnydale? Like, shouldn't it be like, a, I don't I don't think we've ever established that it's on the beach. No, we have because go fish. They were on the beach. I was about to bring up Go Fish. There, there we go. Starting season five off strong with that Go Fish reference. Hopefully we'll get back on all the things we love to do. Go Fish references, Xander slander, and thirsting over some hot guy on the show. Not sure which. Buffy and Riley are playing football, right? And Riley says, uh, basically says that she throws like a girl. 
And Buffy's like, I do. And she throws it at him so hard it knocks him out. Friggin' hilarious. I will always be here for Buffy unleashing her slayer strength on her boyfriend. When will he learn? I know he was teasing her, right? I think he was teasing her. But when will this guy learn? Riley, anytime you play a game with Buffy, anytime you play fight, anytime you, you do anything physical, she is holding back for you. <laughs> So he chases her and picks her up and stuff. And they're in love because that's what couples in love do. They just lift each other up. Look at anyone's engagement photos. People just being lift up willy-nilly. <laughs> is, is this true? That sounds terrifying. Oh, yeah. I don't like being lifted. I, I didn't do engagement photos. But if someone was like, lift her up, I'd be like, don't you fucking touch me. <laughs> Wait, did you not figure skate for years? Yeah, but like not pair skating. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's too high for me. Uh, Xander, Anya, Willow, and Tara are watching this as they sit nearby. Xander's trying to light a fire. And, you know, they're saying, oh, my God, those guys are exhausting. They're so in love, all that jumping and sweating and, like, whatever. And they talk about that for a bit. And Willow says, well, I think we just put our finger on why we're all the sidekicks, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh Buffy and Riley come over come over, and Buffy's like, where's my burger? Like, you know, they're hungry. And uh, Xander's saying that he can't light the fire. He can't figure it out. He lacks the culinary finesse of a caveman. And Willow says, Ignis incende. A big burst of fire is in the fire pit. And she did that with her magic. And, you know, they're like, wow, Willow, like, let's check you out. And Willow's like, it's no big, you know, you just have to balance the elements. So when you affect one, you don't wind up causing. And then boom, a giant storm overtakes them on the beach, starts pouring rain. They all run out of there. So so right off the bat, right, this is the second scene of the season. And we need to pay attention to Willow because Willow is just using her magic willy-nilly, right? She's becoming more reliant on it for mundane tasks. Like, I'm sure given another hour, Xander would have figured it out or Riley would have helped him. Gra granted, as somebody who has also tried to start a fire and struggled with it, that's a pretty cool trick. It, it is. It is. It's just, she was just like so casual about it. Now, my question though is, did she cause the rain? I think she did. But could it have been Dracula? I think it was Dracula. I think that's... She says it wasn't me, and I think we're supposed to believe her because then the next scene is there's a castle in Sunnydale, <laughs> yeah. and the rain is just pelting down, and you see two like movers unloading this huge, long crate from their delivery truck. Uh, they drop it because it's so heavy, so one end falls to the ground, um, the edge cracks, and some dirt spills out of the box. And one of the guys is like, carting dirt around? Man, rich people. <laughs> Am I right? But he doesn't get to finish his sentence because an arm breaks out of the crate, grabs the man's throat, cuts it, um, and then we don't quite see what get breaks out of the box. But I think we're supposed to assume it is, you know, a person, a monster of some kind. Mm. Yeah, so, so you're saying Dracula brought on the rain because he can only arrive at his castle in the cloak of, of rain. It just It's better for his it's, his vibe. It's his well, it, it was sunny, right? Ah, so he had to bring the darkness. This is during the day, you're saying. Yes, that's how powerful he is. <laughs> wow, I'm amazed. So uh, the next day, Willow's at Giles' house. 
she's on his the computer um i think didn't we figure out that it was her computer last time no it's his he also has a computer we saw we settled this (laughs) i'm confused again i need to go back and re-listen to what we found out anyway uh jazz is struggling with the computer right and what are they doing carl what are they doing they're scanning books into the computer again (laughs) giles do we not recall what happened last time you tried digitally archiving books full of magic? Praise Mullick. They're trying to bring him back <laughs> to be the true big bad of season five, as G- he should Giles be. Giles has been playing the long game. He's been uh, <laughs> worshipping Mullick this entire time. Yeah. Adam was a false robot demon god. Mullick <laughs> is the true robot demon god. As much as like Xander is... Uh, Dracula's bitch in this episode. This whole time, Giles has been Moloch's bitch, just like, hiding like, him. I'm, just, I'm so surprised that there's no reference that Willow isn't like, just be careful, Giles. You know what happened last time. Like, there's nothing. It's like they've just completely forgotten that our Lord and Savior Moloch was living in a book. Right? It's actually, it's quite disrespectful how they don't <laughs> see this as a threat at all, but maybe it'll come so, back to bite them in the ass. So why is Giles doing this? Because it's essential to archive the library most of these texts don't have duplicates he says and willow's like complaining because she's like this is a winter task which it totally is and giles is like <laughs> like you, you know you can go right and he says it politely but he's like you don't have to stay and willow's like no because she feels bad she's like it's fine um it's just that you've been doing this all summer right labeling the amulets indexing your diaries and i was like how many diaries does this man have so but, many well but he he has the other washer diaries too right oh true 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 we established long ago that giles's diaries would be the best reads <laughs> they're the spiciest yeah they're definitely the ones that are like Wait, although, although i wouldn't want to read the ones where he talks about the sweet sweet love that he makes to joyce when they're high on bad candy that's exactly the one i would go to first i'd skip to that chapter <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so um, Giles is saying, like, she, Willow says basically get a life. And Giles is saying, I'm trying to do that, actually. And Willow's like, well, maybe you should leave the house. And Giles is like, okay, don't repeat this, especially to Buffy. Do you promise? And, of course, Willow oh, is, like, immediately uncomfortable with this. Oh, here's something I will say about this, se- about this episode. It does a lot of callbacks to earlier seasons whether it means to or not absolutely no i think it does mean to because this is like i said it's setting the stage for all of season five right and so part of that is they have to pick up threads from previous seasons and say hmm you know you know this thing from previous seasons you should probably remember it because we're going to be following that thread this season so you're right. Also following that transition season of season four where like they all like spread out and did their own thing for a bit I think this episode's really establishing. We're back to basics in a lot of ways. One of the ways is Will and Giles working together on the computer or in the library, whatever you want to call it. But just her saying here how uncomfortable she is, showing how uncomfortable she is with keeping a secret. This is not, <laughs> remember, lie to me, <laughs> like how uncomfortable she was with that secret too. So she says, um, you know, I, now that I know there's something to know, I can't not know just because I'm afraid somebody will know I know, you know? <laughs> And Giles is like, that was that yes? And she's like, yeah. And he says, I want you and the others to have everything you need at your fingertips. On your, at your f- fingertips. I'm going back to England. <gasps> and Willow says, but you can't. You're Buffy's watcher. 
in a fired way, but, and Giles is saying like, you know, it's becoming very obvious that Buffy doesn't need me anymore. I don't say that in a self-pitying way. I'm actually proud of it. Like he's proud of her for that. And Willow's like, well, what about the rest of us? We we need to be watched. <laughs> Personally, I can't get through day, a day without a little hairy eyeball. I don't know what that means. Like he, he's got to give her like a little dirty eye that she's not doing any work. <laughs> okay. Uh, Giles appreciates the sentiment that she's giving him, but she's he's just like, you'll be fine. You all will. We'll stay in touch. And you can always call me whenever you like. And Willow's like, well, when are you going to tell Buffy this? And he's like, soon. It won't be easy, but I know she'll understand. I find it really touching and interesting that that Giles told Willow this information first. I think it's necessary. I, I think yeah. that Willow is, is there for us as the viewers, right? Because this is heartbreaking. I mean, we kind of knew that Giles was thinking about this, at least, based on what happened last season and Restless and such. But for him to actually come out and say it, for him to confess out loud, Buffy doesn't need me, it's the end of an era. And Willow, the way that Allison Hannigan plays this scene, it could have been a much more somber scene, but she has just this really light hand where she manages to be funny, even though it's serious. And I very much appreciate that. Yeah. And this, I mean, already in our conversation, I'm starting to see how this is such a great episode to follow up Restless. Because I remember in Giles's dream in Restless, uh, we pointed out, in his dream, Willow called him Rupert. And I wondered if that was uh, Giles's way of seeing Willow as an, more of an equal than the other ones, as in like she's closer to me in intelligence and to everything, um, for him to see her more as a colleague or, uh, you know, a friend, obviously, but somebody at his level. And here we are, him telling Willow, but also trusting her to take all of the information that he has to give and put it on file so it's at her fingertips, that he obviously trusts and values her and sees her as his replacement more than anyone else. As in, like, you're going to be the brains of the operation when I leave. You're going to be the person with the knowledge. And um, that's significant to Giles and Willow and their relationship and how much they've progressed since the last time they were scanning books into the computer yeah so um yay joyce i love when joyce is in the scene um buffy is finishing dinner with joyce and joyce really wants to go for dessert she's like you want to go for dessert we could take a drive get some ice cream (laughs) she's trying to catch up on you know the year that she was absent from buffy's life (laughs) (laughs) right she's like i can fill it all this summer um and buffy is like no i have to go patrol and joyce is like right now it's 8.30. And Buffy's like, yeah, but vampires don't care, right? When it gets dark, they come out. And Joyce is like, right, of course. I'm going to have to get used to this place without you. It gets so quiet. <laughs> That's a clear indication that she hasn't been home all the previous year, right? Because Joyce <laughs> is like, yeah, I'm not used to you not being here because I haven't been here when you're not here. Yeah, you're gone for Thanksgiving. We didn't have a Christmas episode. We assumed you were gone there too. <laughs> you're hanging with Angel in LA, slinging... Stolen artwork. (laughs) Right? So like, Joyce, of course you're not used to Buffy being around. You're not around. And Buffy's like, okay, we'll make a regular date of me like visiting, you know, once I go to school. And uh, she kisses her. She's like, you know, sorry, duty calls. It's a total drag. But we cut to Buffy having the time of her life as she animatedly 
beats up a vampire in the cemetery. And then a cloud of smoke forms and a pale vampire appears and is watching her beat up this vamp. And her and the her and the vamp have a pretty good fight. You know, it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, and then she stakes it and she starts to march off. And uh, the vampire says, very impressive hunt. And <laughs> I can't do the accent. And the vampire materializes out of the darkness and is like, such power. <laughs> and Buffy's like... That was no hunt. That was another day on the job. Care to step up for some overtime? And the vampire says, we're not going to fight. And Buffy says, um, do you know what a slayer is? And he says, do you? <laughs> and I love that. I love that because to me, it's like whenever there's like um, an old wise Chinese sage in uh, movies and it's always like, like, what do you want from me? And he's always like, what do you want from yourself? Right? And always, yeah. It's just like, You, you turned the question back on them. <laughs> I love it's that. It's the most annoying thing ever, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it really gets you. You're like, <gasps> of course. And um, it, it really is this. And as you're saying, it's, this is, you know, setting up everything that we need for the season. Buffy, do you know what a Slayer is, right? And that's, that's an age old question. That we're going to have to really think about as we go through this episode, but also the season. And Buffy's like, okay, what an interesting question. Like, uh, just just like us, we're like, ooh, good answer. She says, who are you? And he says, I apologize. I assumed you knew. I'm Dracula. And Buffy just stares. And then she's like, get out. (laughs) I love that line. I love the beats. The timing is perfect. Sarah Michelle Gellar's delivery is perfect. Like, you can tell. It's like she's slightly starstruck, but also just kind of like, yeah, sure. And, like, Dracula... So let's talk about him for a second, because he he's so pale. He's a pale man. He's a very pale white guy. But I will say this, Steph. He mm-hmm. does not... I won't confuse him with Angel, because he has longer hair. That Well, I mean, that's a dead giveaway. Also, he's got a long cape. <laughs> Well, so does Angel sometimes. He's got like his trench coat. A trench coat, but it's not. I mean, Cape is a very different vibe. What I, I, I don't know if it's too soon for me to complain about Dracula. Maybe we should get into him a bit more before I do. But I have thoughts. I have thoughts on this actor. I have thoughts on the way he looks. So we cut to Will and Xander who are walking through the cemetery looking for Buffy. And again, I've shot right back to when she was bad. When, when the season began and it started with Willow and Xander. You know, walk in the cemetery, right? Mm. Having little discussions. But we got mad back then because remember, like, Xander boops her on the nose with ice cream and they're going to kiss. <laughs> remember that? Ah, take me back. So Willow is like trying to tell Xander the secret without telling him the secret, right? She's like, if somebody, you know, if somebody um, has a secret that they promised somebody else that they couldn't tell anyone, and Xander says, news flash, Will, everybody knows. And Willow's like, no, no, this isn't about me and Tara. And Xander says, not that I wouldn't be all ears if you wanted to tell me a secret about you two, even if it was very, very naughty. Shut up, Xander. Oh my god. Har, 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 har. Okay, on one hand, this is a very... Where are we? Are we in 2000, 2001? Uh, It's a standard joke, right? To have with a friend, sure. But at the same time, Xander, like fetishizing these girls, again, we just saw you do this in your dream in Restless, and we can't really blame you for what you dream about, but we can blame you about how you tell your friend that you fetishize her and her girlfriend. Yeah, it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. So, but Willow laughs at that, right? And she says, um, I'm not going to tell you. And they kind of walk off. They're going to go look for Buffy. 
cut to Buffy who's saying, you're Dracula, the guy, the count. And he's like, I am. And she says, you sure this isn't a fanboy thing? <laughs> I fought more than a couple pimply overweight vamps who call themselves Lestat. So this is an interesting pop culture reference. We've heard it before. We've heard reference to Interview with a Vampire before when uh, Spike said it to Angel in season two. And even then we're saying it's interesting that the vampires in this universe have vampire fiction and lore that we have in our universe, right? Right. That means Anne Rice exists in this universe, right? And so maybe she has met a vampire. It's possible. And it also makes me think, though, uh, because Dracula very much also exists in the same format as Interview with a Vampire, movies, books, literature. So mm-hmm. perhaps there are real Lestat and Louis and Claudia out there somewhere. Like they're opening Maybe. up a lot of doors, a lot of doors that hurt my brain. <laughs> so this is this is another reason why this episode, I was like, What? Wait, what? You can't just bend the rules like this. Like, it hurts me. <laughs> my, like, the three brain cells I use to record with you on late Thursday nights just can't rub together to figure this out. So, Jacqueline says, you know who I am, as I would as I would know without question that you're Buffy Summers. And Buffy's like, you've heard of me? <laughs> and he's like, naturally, you're known throughout the world. And Buffy's like, nah, Really? <laughs> which is a great way to react if you found out you were famous. And uh, he says, I came to meet the renowned killer. And Buffy says, I prefer Slayer. Killer just sounds so... And Dracula's like, naked? And she says, like I paint clowns or something. I'm the good guy, remember? And uh, I think that's a a reference to the serial killer. Is Is it William Gacy? John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, who painted clowns famously. Dracula says, perhaps, but, you're, but your power is rooted in darkness. You must feel it. And Buffy's like, no, you know what I feel? Bored. <laughs> so she lunges at him with a, with a stake twice. And each time he evaporates into mist and she misses him. And she's like, okay, that's cheating. And then Xander will catch up and they're like, hey, Buffy. And she's like, get out of here. <laughs> and they're like, wow, rude. And Dracula forms behind them and she's like, look there. And they turn around and and Xander's like, nice. Look who's got a bad case of dark prince envy. And Dracula says, I have no interest in you. Leave us. And Xander starts mocking his accent and saying, uh, no, we're not going to leave you. He says, where'd you get that accent? Sesame Street? One, two, three, three victims. Well, uh, 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 which is like, you know, the count. And Buffy says, Xander, I'm pretty sure that's Dracula. And Xander like gets scared right away. He's like, really? He's like, sorry, I, I was just joking around. And Dracula's like, this is not the time. And he stares at Buffy and he says, I'll see you soon. And he transforms into a bat. And he attacks their heads. And then he, he he flies away. I love the physical comedy of Xander once he finds out who this person is, uh, going from being in front of Buffy to behind her. <laughs> yeah, and also, okay, here's my thing about that. Here's my thing about this Dracula. I am not intimidated by him. Like, I think Xander's reaction is like he's immediately scared because this is Dracula. But this Dracula to me is not scary at all. Like he's, it's camp, right? With his long hair and his cape and his chalky, chalky skin. Um, but I don't know. Like I just, I just don't feel any fear or intimidation so from him. 
I, I have a theory about that, but I, I want to wait until a little bit further in the episode when we get some of Dracula's backstory from Spike. Okay. So we cut to Giles' place because that's where everybody goes to hang out. And if Giles moves away, where are they going to hang out? Buffy's house? <laughs> Joyce's. <laughs> Joyce is going to be like making them uh, hot chocolate while they have late night research <laughs> sessions. They're updating Giles, Anya, Riley, you know, everybody who wasn't cool enough to be at the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Everybody's like fanboying over Dracula. So Buffy says, can you believe Count Famous has heard of me? And Riley says, I couldn't believe it the first 20 times you told us, but it started to sink in. And the way he's standing, his body language, you could tell he's not impressed. He's feeling a little bit threatened because, you know, Riley's manhood is about as stable and unfragile as a piece of glass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Buffy's like, I'm sorry. Am I a repeato girl? I was just blown away. And Riley says, it's not surprising that he's heard of you, Buffy. You are the Slayer. <laughs> Kate, Riley. how far he's come. How far, think about this, how far he's come. When not even less than a season ago, he was like, what's a Slayer? And it took him like, I don't know, eight episodes to realize that Buffy is in fact stronger than him. In fact, at the beginning of this episode, he questioned it once again. I think he, I think he keeps forgetting. Yeah, he has to yeah. be constantly reminded. He's got the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> But but how far this has come where he's like, Buffy, like you are the slayer, like the demons in the world know you. So like that's actually quite significant because before he was like, who the fuck are you? You know, so Buffy says it was just the way he said it. He made it sound so Willow jumps in with sexy. (laughs) I thought he made it sound sexy. Buffy's like kind of with his dark penetrating eyes and lilty accent and xander's like oh i wonder if he knows frankenstein by which i mean i I assume xander you mean frankenstein's monster i think he means adam (laughs) um and then tara uh who's kind of like sitting on the the like next to willow like willow's on the couch and tara's like on the arm of the couch kind of perched and a little bit possessive you know so we can see riley's not the only one getting a little jealous tara says you thought dracula was sexy and Willow says, "No, no, he was yuck." <laughs> here's here's some here's the thing. I've heard compelling arguments for why Willow is a lesbian. I've heard arguments why she's bisexual. Why I think that uh, Willow's character and the way they wrote her is a little bit of bisexual erasure is because here she is saying that she's attracted. She finds him sexy. And last season, she mm-hmm. had said that Giles is sexy when she saw him singing, and she did have a crush on Giles when she was younger. She had a long term boyfriend named Oz. So I just think like here she's reminding everybody that like, hey, she was also taken with how hot Dracula is supposed to be. Absolutely. And I mean, attraction is complicated, right? So yeah, absolutely. You can can find people of a different gender aesthetically pleasing, um, even if you're not sexually attracted to them. But I, I agree with you. Like there's definitely a lot of evidence in the show to support uh, Willow being bi as well as, you know, labeling Willow, Willow as a lesbian. It really mm-hmm. kind of just depends on how you interpret it because, of course, she is not able to label herself thanks to the <laughs> network. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Anya jumps in with, you know, except for the whole tall, dark, and handsome thing, yucko. <laughs> very sarcastic, <laughs> very dry, as Anya would say. And Xander says, how would you know? And Anya says, well, we hung out a few times back in my demon days, once or twice. It was pretty cool. 
from whole evil thing perspective. <laughs> I love this. I love this for Anya because here we have Willow and Buffy gushing over and like fangirling over their crushes on Dracula having just met him. And Anya completely wins this entire conversation by saying like, oh yeah, I, I like hook, I hooked up with him. <laughs> I mean, we don't know if she hooked up with him. I think she did. But basically saying like, oh yeah, yeah, like we hung out. Like he, he showed interest in me before. I think, I think that's great for her. So Xander, of course, does not react well to this. He's jealous and he says, please, he's no big whoop. And Willow says, no big whoop? What about the thing when he turned himself to a bat? That was awesome. <laughs> it was. And Giles says, I, I must admit, I'm sorry to have missed that. <laughs> uh, so Willow says, oh, me too. The whole time I was thinking, gosh, I wish Giles were here. He'd know what to do because Willow is feeling super guilty with her secret. <laughs> yeah. And Willow's like, didn't you guys think that? And Buffy says, I was more thinking bat. <laughs> and Xander asks, well, why can he do that? And of course, Giles, Willow sets Giles up. She tries. And Giles says, oh, I have no idea. There's a great deal of myth about Dracula. I imagine the trick to defeating him lies in separating fact from fiction. Willow says, great point. That is so Giles to think of that, you know? <laughs> Everyone's staring at her because she's babbling in kind of cute Willow fashion. And Buffy says, we should take things slow with Dracula. He, he said we would meet again, but I, I would like to avoid that until we do some serious homework. And Riley thinks that's great. He's like, well, he might have a bunch of swell party tricks, but he's still just a vampire. I say we load up with stakes and crossbows and go after him right now. And uh, Mr. Toxic Masculinity runner-up in the room, Xander, says, so do I. Because, <laughs> of course, now, you know, Anya's on the let's fuck Dracula train along with Buffy. So. so the boys are feeling threatened and they want to go kill a vampire. Although I do kind of agree with them because... As much as Dracula has, like, tricks up his sleeve, I think it makes sense for them to go after him like a normal vampire. Maybe they could get one of those blinky guns. Yeah, exactly. They got they got tons <laughs> of those that they stole from the initiative. So, like, there's so many ways that they can go at him. And I feel like if they did just go today, nothing else would have happened. <laughs> but uh, Buffy doesn't want to. She says, uh, no, like, no killing until we know exactly what we're dealing with. Then Riley says, you're not saying that because of those dark penetrating eyes of his, are you? Because he's insecure. And Bobby's like, no, there was no penetration. <laughs> so Giles, Tara, and Will are going to go do more research. And they say that they're going to meet up. Uh, everyone's going to reconvene in the morning. Buffy says that she wants to go to sleep now. And Riley's like, I'm wired. Uh, Buffy makes the intention of like, why don't you come to bed with me? Riley's like, I don't feel like having sex with you tonight because I'm jealous. He doesn't say that, but that's what he's implying. And Riley says he'll be back in the morning with donuts. They kiss and Buffy's like, see, a little sugar and I'm all yours. Dracula, schmacula. So Xander and Anya are walking home and Anya is gushing over Dracula, right? She's like, doubt he remembers me. I was just a silly young thing, 700 or so. <laughs> But he did say that this guy I cursed was doomed forever, which was really sweet, don't you think? Anya's talking about the spell that she cast on this guy. Apparently, she made him incredibly fat, like a minivan, is what she says. So there's oh there's some fat shaming. There's a fat joke. Uh, but I will add here, just like I said, I really like Buffy's hair. Anya looks great. She looks great in this episode. She's also fixed her hair, so she doesn't look like so old to me. Uh, she mm. she looks really stunning. So a, wall, a wolf is stalking them on the roof. That must be Dracula. I, I'm not up and familiar with Dracula lore as much as I should be. I haven't seen the movie in a very long time. Uh, I didn't realize he could turn into a wolf too. 
He's got a lot of tricks. He just loves turned into animals. So Anya is um, leaving Xander, who's really, really jealous. And <laughs> Anya's like, don't be silly. But she won't go home with him because she says it's white. Di- it's White's Day and the bleach smell makes her nauseous. <laughs> because remember, Xander lives in his basement. <laughs> in his parents' basement, right? Yes, his parents' basement. So Xander is venting out loud about Dracula as he walks home. And who materializes in front of him? It's Dracula. And Xander's like, you know what? You're not so big. One round of old-fashioned fisticuffs. I bet you, you'd you fold like a bitty baby. And he's, he's like talking to himself, like amping himself up to fight Dracula. And Dracula just says, silence. And Xander's like, yes, master. <laughs> this reminds me of the time that Xander got into a fight with Harmony, where it's like, Xander, you know that even the weakest vampire has more strength than you, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. But like, hey, for people who say that Xander's brave, I guess this can also count toward that, I guess. Um, so Dracula says, you will be my emissary, my eyes and ears in the daylight. And he's hypnotizing Xander. And Xander, and he says, you'll serve me and you will be rewarded. I will make you an immortal, a child of the darkness that feeds on life itself, on blood. And Xander's like, blood, yes, yes. <laughs> he's like, I will serve you, your excellent spookiness. Or master, I'll just stick with master. And Dracula says, you are strange and off-putting. Go now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Dracula's side here. Dracula gets it. And I actually think this is a really funny use of Xander's character in this episode. Um, Xander turns and uh, and then he comes back and he's like, wait, how will I find you? But he's already gone. So he's just like, wow, what an exit. Guy's a genius. And he giggles and he walks away because he's under his spell. Riley's entering Spike's crypt and he's still been there. He's been there all summer, I'm guessing. Spike comes out of the shadows holding a crossbow and he's like, well, well, you can take the boy out of the initiative, but you can't take the initiative out of the boy. And Riley says, I'd put that down unless you're bucking for one hell of a headache. And Spike does this, right? He's like, can't be too careful. I've got a lot of demons after me these days. And Riley's like, I'm looking for info. It might pay a little. What can you tell me about Dracula? And Spike scoffs at this. And he says, he calls him a poncy bugger. And I think we found out recently that Spock, that." Ponce is a really offensive term. I mean, both of the terms are technically offensive it, it, to, to varying degrees, you mm-hmm. know, but bugger um, implies anal sex. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I don't know why Spike's being so homophobic. We know that he is also but queer. He, but he's, he's from, th- this is this whole thing of he's English, right? And so he's using all this in- these English terms, this English slang, and, and the level of offense is different in different places, right? But it gives us this sense of the type of personality that Spike has affected over his vampiric undead lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, everything about him is very carefully constructed from the hair to the clothing he wears and how he talks. But, th- you know, that's very similar to what he says now about Dracula, right? And and who Dracula is. So what mm-hmm. does Spike say? Well, he Dracula owes Spike money. 
And then he says, we're old rivals. And I don't know how much I believe him because Spike's, you know, he talks a lot of talk. Um, <laughs> but he says, you know, that was before he got famous and forgot about all his foes. Uh, he says that that glory hound has done more harm to vampires than any slayer. His story got out and suddenly everyone knows how to kill us the, and the mirror bit and everything. And Riley says, well, he's not a regular vampire. He's got special powers. And Spike says nothing but showy magic stuff. So he does use a different word there, but we don't use that word. And he says, why do you care? Like, what's it to you? And Riley says, well, he's in town. And Spike says, Dracula is in Sunnydale. I guess the old boy needed closure after all. <laughs> right. So this is where I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about Dracula as a character and a person, right? Mm -hmm. um, so as you said, Spike references the idea that Dracula's magic comes from the Romany people. Uh, and you might recall, right, Jenny Callender was also Romany. Um, so this is kind of a common thing in this show is, is Joss Whedon seems very obsessed with um, uh, when it comes to European folklore. He, he's always bringing things back to the Roma. Um, but in this case, it kind of makes sense because, of course, the character of Dracula is said to be based, at least in part, on a real-life historical figure named Vlad Dracul, who is a, a, a famous hero in Romania. Um, so it, makes, it kind of makes sense that this Dracula in this show um, might have those kinds of roots in that area of Europe, and he himself might be, you know, perhaps Romany, and therefore have learned what Spike disparagingly calls magic tricks. So I think that, that you know, I agree with you. Spike is an unreliable narrator here. We can't <laughs> yeah. take everything he says at face value, but I think that it does explain uh, some of the powers and abilities that Dracula seems to have. As far as his personality goes, you know, you said that you don't find him very imposing. Here's my theory. My theory is that, well, you could see it either two ways. Maybe he based his character on Bram Stoker's book. Maybe he didn't start off as Dracula. Maybe he's kind of like those pimply faceless stats that Buffy <laughs> mentioned, where yeah. the book came out, um, I think it was like 1897 or something, turn of the, the century. The book came out and this vampire was like, this is my chance. I could be Dracula. Um, so that's one reading. The other reading could be maybe he knew Bram Stoker. You know, he was hanging out with this Irish writer and he's like, you know, man, you should write a book about me. <laughs> Have I got a scoop for you? <laughs> uh, right. He's like, I want to be famous. <laughs> um, that's my theory. That's I don't think he's supposed to be imposing in the same way that somebody like the master was imposing as a vampire or Angelus, because he's not. He he is camp. That is his personality. Um, and it's one that he's crafted. But I, I don't think this is supposed to be the 15th century person, Vlad the Impaler. I don't, th you know, I think this is supposed to be some vampire who was not very old at the time that Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. And he's just become famous because there's a book about him, right? But there, you're right. There is nothing special about him. It's all surface level, and it's supposed to be that way. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that take on it a lot. Uh, my thinking was more that he's just, like you've mentioned the master, He is a, he's just incredibly old, and therefore his historic Victorian take on vampires doesn't really hold up to the modern vampires and the modern slayer 
in Buffy's world. You know what I mean? Like it just it just doesn't really mesh mm-hmm. as well. It's more, it stands out more because we're like even the master, like we said before, had a very modern twist to the way he talked, but Dracula has very much stayed in the time period that he was he created himself in. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So it's interesting. We, there's a lot of ways to interpret it. It's cool. Um, but again, like like we said, I don't I don't really believe Spike. <laughs> I don't think they were old foes. Um, I do love that Spike thinks that Dracula came to see Spike. But again, Spike, you are overselling your influence because Dracula's here to see Buffy, of course. And Riley says that, right? No, no, he's here to see Buffy. And um, Riley wants to get dracula before he gets a chance at buffy and spike calls him a cowboy and he says you're not going to catch him napping in a crypt the count has to have his luxury estate and his bug eaters and his special dirt doesn't he and riley's like oh should i so i should check mansions is that that what you're saying and spike's like you should go home uh to your super honey have a have a nice safe snog you're out of your depth on this one boy and riley says you've helped buffy before so she um, so she has a problem with killing you now that you're helpless, but I don't. And Spike gets up in Riley's face and he says, I'd like to see you try. And Riley stands up. And again, he's so much taller than Spike, like a couple of feet taller. And he says, would you? And of course, Spike scoffs and looks away because obviously Riley could easily kill him. And as Riley leaves, Spike says, you're never going to find him. Not before he gets to her. So Buffy is sleeping. And mist comes through the window, and then Dracula's in her bedroom. And I was like, how dare you? That was Angel's move. <laughs> Not the mist part, but the, the coming to the bedroom in the middle of the night. Angel didn't need the theatrics. <laughs> no, Angel just straight up came in the window headfirst <laughs> and dived out headfirst. Buffy wakes up, and he says, you are magnificent. <laughs> and she says, I bet you say that before you bite all the girls. And he says, you're different, kindred. And Buffy's like, kindred, hardly. And he says, pull your hair back. And she does. And she says, this is not how I usually fight. You look sexy with your hair pushed back. (laughs) That was our next line. (laughs) Uh, She says, you think you can just waft in here with your music video wind and your hypno eyes? But he can because she stops talking because he's hypnotizing her. And he says, I've searched the world over for you. I have yearned for you for a creature whose darkness has rivaled my own. I bet he says that to all the girls. <laughs> yeah, again, like that's his number one line. Uh, he sits next to her. He touches her scar and he says, you have been tasted. And she says he was and he says unworthy. He let you go. But his embrace, his bite, you remember. And she's like, no. <laughs> And Dracula touches her face and he's caressing her. And he says, do not fight. I can feel your hunger. And he leans in and bites her and she lets him and she gasps. <gasps> so I have thoughts. No, it's not sexy. I Steph. have thoughts on the scene. I have. Bite sex is not thoughts. sexy. I have thoughts on it and I'm going to share them. It's sexy. <laughs> no. And I'm telling you, I promise you, I do not find Dracula attractive. He's chalky and he's weird and I don't like his hair, but this is hot. <laughs> There's something weirdly ASMR-y sexual about the way he caresses her and hits on her and seduces her. And it's all mul- manipulation. It's kind of rapey. It's very rapey in a lot of ways. Okay. Okay. But it's Dracula 
is known for seduction. That is why he was written back in the eighteen hundred, the nineteenth century, right? Like vampires, the the lore of them has always been about seduction, and that's what Dracula represents. So it's classic. This is classic, and he bitter, and I have a lot of things to think about when it comes to the scene because he, when he says you've been you've been tasted. I want to believe he's talking about Angel, right? Um, Because Angel was the last man who used to crawl into Buffy's bedroom and he was the one that bit her and she liked it and all that stuff. But he could also be referring to the master. Yes, thank you. Yes, I, I don't... have the same thought. Because I she... don't think it's out of line to think that. Yeah, because, you know, we see the scar. Like you said, when she pulls her hair back, we see that scar and you've made a point of kind of mentioning that from time to time mostly to torture me with memories of bite sex but (laughs) you know Buffy has this scar from being bitten and being fed upon but that was the thing is it's like well Angel bit her in season three but before that the master also fed and and I went back and I looked at like which side of her neck did he feed from and it was the same side Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. has she not had a scar since the end of season one like well Angel did it harder (laughs) i don't know why i'm even having this conversation um but i so i had the same thought i'm like she's being tasted twice over by two very powerful vampires Mm -hmm. um both of whom right like the master his plan was to drain buffy right or or i don't i don't know how much of a a taste he he had he didn't remember he kind of like nibbled her and then she drowned right he just wanted a little bit of her blood i don't know if he was gonna feed on her later um he was excited to get out he was breaking out of his out of his prison so he just he's like oh it's open and he (laughs) he left (laughs) but yeah and then of course angel almost drained her and so here dracula is closer to the master and like we've heard, right, Slayer blood is tastier to vampires. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why Dracula has come here. He's like, you know, I want me some of that Slayer blood. And uh, the other one's scary, so I'm going to come for <laughs> Buffy. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think I do think it's about Angel because that was the most recent bite. Um, and again, the whole situation of like the seduction. And do when- you think Dracula and Angel have history, and Spike is lying, and it's like. You know, it, it's Angel that was Dracula's <laughs> thorn in his side, right? But Ed Spike was there, and now he's like, I wish that was me. So he's like taking I, over that story. Absolutely. I, I do. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because you made the case that maybe he's not as old as he's saying. And he, the, in that case, I don't think Angel might have had a soul already by the time this guy came around, if that's one of the theories we're going with. I think he actually is an older vampire. I think he does have that history behind him, in which case it is very much more likely that his rivalry is with Angel and not Spike. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I agree with that. But I'm just saying that the, the setup of the scene makes me think it's more about Angel than the master. Also, let's, I mean, Buffy gaffs, but it's very clear that she's getting some sort of pleasure from this bite just like she did from when angel bit her she did not get pleasure from when the master bit her (coughs) mind you he didn't drink long enough maybe she would have (laughs) i don't know that's a terrible horrifying thought i I, and i want to make a point about you know why buffy might be enjoying that later on but that's i just wanted to i'm glad that we acknowledge that it could be either the master or angel that he's referring to here. I'm happy to move on at any point. I want to talk about this a lot more. <laughs> no, we can move on, but this Stay is not the last. Stay tuned for uh, Steph's solo spinoff podcast. <laughs> Called Bite Me. <laughs> 
So uh, the next morning, Buffy wakes up in bed. Was it all a dream? Was it? No, it wasn't because she's got the bite marks on her neck to prove it. So she covers it with a scarf like really lazily. I was like a bigger, like a turtleneck would have made more sense. (laughs) And we know that Buffy loves wearing turtlenecks. No, no. Buffy loves wearing turtlenecks (laughs) when it's hot out. I've seen her. At Giles's, Buffy's on the couch and Riley's offering her a donut, but she's like really out of it. She says no. Willow is giving them Dracula factoids. And Xander is saying, like any of that is enough to fight the Dark Master. <laughs> and like people like think he's weird for saying that, but no one's cluing in that he's hypnotized. Well, well they look at him. So he finishes off by saying, Bader. And then <laughs> Master Bader. Yeah. Which totally unnecessary. You could have just been like, or so I hear he's called. Yeah, <laughs> or or so my research shows. Willow is saying his turnoffs, Dracula's turnoffs are wood, fire, crosses, garlic. His turn-ons are nice places to live, minions, slow bites that last for days. <laughs> but did she read his Tinder profile? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what he would put on his Bumble app. Riley says he did research too. Uh, He didn't say that Spike told him. He says, Dracula likes to live in style, which means we can rule out the the casual dumps that vampires haunt. And uh, I also want to, there's a lot of comparison between Angelus, the master, and Dracula here. But you notice the master is old school, evil vampire, lives in a cave. Angel is a vampire with a soul, and he wanted to live above ground, right? He had a basement apartment loft, which was super nice. And then he had the mansion, which he was uh, squatting in, or, or maybe Joyce helped him purchase it. We have Dracula, who is an evil vampire, but he prefers castles and living above ground, too. So he's just a little bit more... Oh, I don't know if that's old school or if it's, like, you know, modern for him to be doing Ooh, that. Now I'm, now I'm picturing... <laughs> MTV's Cribs <laughs> vampire style with like Dracula. Okay. Cara. Dracula and Harmony living in a big old house together. Damn, that's that's the show I would love to Colin, watch. The anointed one. KKKKK. Kill fuck Mary. Angel's mansion. Dracula's castle from this episode. And the master's no, not the ma- and Angel's loft basement. No, that's not even the same. Joy- <laughs> Joyce's house. <laughs> that, I don't even understand the question. But... <laughs> you gotta pick one to kill fucking Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works with houses. Oh, it works. <laughs> we'll let, we'll leave, we can leave it to the listeners to tell us, but uh, I would pick Angel's mansion to no. I would fuck Dracula's castle. I would marry Angel's mansion. And I would kill anything, the the third one, whether it's the cave or the loft or Joyce's house. Sorry. That's my that's my answer. All right, we digress. <laughs> so I just want to point out when Riley says he did research, he means I went slumming it with Spike. <laughs> right. Like, um, you couldn't have gone to a library or anything, Riley? Uh, Riley, the, actually, Riley's quite smart, to be honest, to go to Spike. Um, Xander says, oh, he's smart enough to figure out that we probably already know all that. So I'm guessing he's laying low. And Willow's like, nope, my research backs Riley's up. Dracula isn't the lay low type. Giles says that we can check out the nicer places. Don't you think, Buffy? And Buffy's really distracted. But she, but then she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll check out the swanky places first. What else did you guys get? And Giles says, well, Willow has most of it. 
And Willow's like, oh, only because you, you uh, because you gave me some super good pointers. <laughs> She's like, uh, Dracula's modus operandi is different from from other vampires. He will kill. He, he will kill to feed, but he'd rather have a connection with his victims. He has all these mental powers to draw them in. He can read and control minds, appear in dreams, make sense. That stare, he just kind of like looked right through you, didn't? Didn't you feel it, Buffy? And Buffy's like, no. <laughs> And Sandra's like, see? See, Buffy didn't feel it. I think you're drawing a lot of crazy conclusions about the unholy prince. <laughs> and then he says, Bader, again. <laughs> uh, I have to say, like, definitely there's room to slander Xander in this episode, and I'm here for it. But I'm also just here. This is wonderful comedic, comedic acting from Nicholas Brendan. I love it. Yeah. And again, like, this is good use of Xander's character. It really is. Um, Giles says... He goes through the motions of an intimate seduction, but the end result is always the same. He turns them into a vampire. And Xander's like, oh, that is intimate. Dracula's gifting these ladies with his own blood. And as he's saying this, he sees a spider on the table and he's like, blood, blood is life, according to them. And he grabs the spider and puts it in his mouth when the other people are not paying attention to him. (laughs) And he eats it. Um, And Giles says that Dracula forms relationships with his prey. He's not... It's not enough for him to take her. She must want to be taken. She must burn for him. <laughs> that's hot. <laughs> that's because I watch a lot of Bridgerton. That's why I think that's hot. So <laughs> Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so Bobby says, that's interesting. I'm going to go find him. <laughs> she like gets up to go. And this is one of the first one I noticed because in the in the earlier scene, she was wearing red leather pants. In this scene, she's wearing pink leather pants yes she has that on for the rest of the episode and i have to say i'm i'm digging the pink leather pants more than the red i think they're both bold choices and i was like was there a sale on leather pants like buy one get one this summer i mean they were they were in at that point right and don't get me wrong the red leather pants are great i'm glad they've come back i mean clearly buffy has got over the fact that she nearly killed faith in them um but, you know, she was rocking the red leather pants and the black top and the red lipstick earlier. And that was great. But th- there's something about the pink pants with her complexion. And I don't know. I was just like, damn, like, I love this outfit. Yeah, she looks really cute. Um, she starts storming outside and Riley's like, you shouldn't go by yourself, Buffy. The guy's ser- seriously dangerous. And Buffy's like, it's cool. And as she leaves, Riley follows her and he confronts her in front of Giles's house. And um, he says take off the scarf and she's like what no and he's like you're under the thrall of the dark prince and she's like i'm not Bader. A- <laughs> Bader. And she's like i'm not under the thrall of the dark prince and he's like then take off the scarf and she like resists at first but then he just grabs it and shows the bite mark and willows and and giles come out and they see it too and buffy like is so ashamed and she like sits down puts her head in her hands and Giles is like, well, why didn't you say anything? And Xander's like, because she didn't want to worry us. Right, Buster? It's nothing. Just a scratch. <laughs> and Willow's like, too deep, punctury scratches. And Buffy says to Riley, it wasn't, I wasn't sure why I was hiding it. Like, I, this was, there was a voice that was telling me to cover it. And Riley's like, that's the thrall. <laughs> so Xander says, you're telling me Dracula has some sort of freaky mind control over her? You're watching too many creature features, man. And after he says that, he grabs a fly. It's very difficult to grab flies, I will say. But he grabs a fly and he eats it too. 
And Buffy says, it does seem like he has control over me, even though a big part of me is resisting. And Riley says, well, I, you know, I shouldn't take this personally. Riley makes this all about him. And he's like, I shouldn't take this personally. I mean, with Angel, it's understandable that there would be some transference. They're both broody immortals. And I was like, oh, okay. It's nice to know that what happened in the Yoko factor, you know, was talked about between the two of them understandment was reached not so much <laughs> so i just i i feel the need to point out here right that even though riley is correct and buffy was hiding something and she was under dracula's thrall or is under his thrall or whatever yes riley was right but what he did by reaching out and grabbing her and physically ripping the scarf off her neck that was wrong right mm-hmm. like that's not cool that is assault, that, that is, you know, abusive behavior. If somebody's refusing to take the scarf off their neck, you don't rip it from them, especially, you know, your partner whom you're supposed to trust and love and support. Like, yeah, Buffy is lying to you and that's wrong, but that doesn't mean that she deserves the, the action here that Riley's taking because he's feeling fragile and, you know, like, oh, Buffy's cheating on me with the, the, uh, the angel wannabe or whatever. Mm-hmm more toxic traits that we're seeing come out in Riley Um, and Buffy tells him like I swear to you I'm I'm your girl I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna stay that way and Riley I believe he's making her defend herself to him right Ah. she's like oh I'm sorry I hit it and like I get it like she but she's feeling shame right for what she let Dracula do to her but again like she's under a spell of some sort and Riley says you know it's okay but you are not going anywhere near him again that's right you do what I say woman right it's very controlling and it's coming from a place of worry and fear but we know just based on that angel comment that it's also coming from this area of insecurity and if that wasn't there I'd be able to swallow this a lot better Giles says, Riley's right. You should stay out of sight. Let the rest of us look for Dracula. And Buffy says, I can't go home. He got inside once. And Xander says, you can come to my place. I'll make you stay put. And Giles and Riley are going to go look for Dracula's place. Willow and Tara are going to do a protection spell on Buffy's house to prevent Dracula from returning. And I have two thoughts about this. The first one was, oh, oh, look at this. You guys have learned so much since season two when Angelus was just running wild around Sunnydale and you waited months before you're like, maybe we should stop him from entering our homes, you know? That's because she's better at magic now. It's easier for her now. Sure, but they also learn from that. They're like, yeah, we should do this immediately. (laughs) And then on my other point was that, you know, if you put the protection spell up at Buffy's house, should she not be at Buffy's house? Like, why not put her there? <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, I guess they're worried that Buffy would just invite him back in right away. Mm, yeah, that's fair. But I was just like, well, it seems like you're safeguarding it. So, But the question is, how did did Dracula get inside? And who, who did it, Kara? <laughs> we cut to Joyce saying... He seemed so nice and normal. <laughs> a little pale. Jesus Christ, Joyce. This is bad. <laughs> this is bad. It's been four years, lady. If this, were, if this were 2022, right, Joyce would be ordering a whole bunch of food from Skip the Dishes or DoorDash because she's got the munchies. Yep. And a vampire would show up. You know, like a vampire, would, especially one who could hypnotize like Dracula, he'd show up with the food, be like, did you order this? Right. And he'd be in the uniform and then she'd just let him in. Like, 
Poor Joyce. Right? But it just seems like everyone's learning except for Joyce. Joyce is always just left behind. And Willow says, like, so Willow and Tara are there to do the spell. And Willow's telling her, like, good Sunnydale rule of thumb, avoid white-skinned men in capes. And I was like, that's a good life rule of thumb. Like, honestly. Well, she's got a point, right? Because we know from previous seasons that the the number one danger in Sunnydale is those white boy gangs. <laughs> Which are still notoriously ruling Sunnydale streets and we never hear about them. Joyce, 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 since season one, you let, remember when you just let Darla write in? That should have been your call to never let anyone in. in. If she lets them all in, stop. Stop letting them in. Um, Joyce is saying, I'm not like this, (laughs) but you are. You are. She says, I don't invite strange men over for coffee. When you, when you girls get older, you'll understand it's hard to date. Sometimes you just feel like giving up on men altogether. And of course, Tara and Willow grin at each other good joke good joke cute scene i I do like how the writers acknowledge tara and willow's queerness in ways that you know to kind of undermine the network censors right no we can't show them fucking but we can show them doing magic together um and having these little cutesy moments and it really is just so wholesome and nice and also again adding in that joyce is so clueless not even to the supernatural stuff that goes around anything (laughs) right like this remember back when um she didn't know spike was a vampire thought like oh he's a drummer or like all these things and here she is just not knowing that tara and will are totally together so Giles and Riley have been checking mansions out all day. They had got a couple more before nightfall. At Xander's, Anya's complaining because she wants to go look for Dracula too. Xander locks her in a closet when it's six o'clock. And he just says to Buffy, I'm supposed to deliver you to the master now. It's this whole deal where I'm going to be immortal. Are you cool with that? And she's like, take me to him. <laughs> Again, I'm loving the delivery here. <laughs> right? Just so like straight up. Uh, Xander leads her uh, straight to the castle with all the torches lit. Who lit these torches? Hey, this is like Dracula has the same candle problem as the master. <laughs> Right? <laughs> right? It's a service, I'm telling you. The vampires who prefer candles for their oh, crypts hire my God. a service. When hush is not happening, Mark the whiteboard guy is selling candles <laughs> like hotcakes. <laughs> they are selling off the shelves in this town. So Xander leads Buffy right to Dracula, and Dracula's like, leave us. We must not be interrupted. And Xander's like, you got it, and he leaves. So so Dracula says, I knew you'd come. And Buffy says, why? Because I'm under your thrall. And then she pulls out a steak and says, well, guess again, pal. And he says, put the steak down. And she does. <laughs> she's like, okay. And then she's like, that's not because of you. I, I did that. I did that because I wanted to. <laughs> And then she starts like panicking and she literally says like, maybe I should rethink this whole thrall thing. And then she like whimpers, right? She's like, "Mm." so Riley and Giles are outside the castle and Riley says, I've lived in Sunnydale for a couple of years now. And you know what I've never noticed before? A big haunted castle. So they go inside. It is a nice castle. Like I said, like, kill, fuck, marry. Like, it's up there. (laughs) Lots of candles, just like the master. They split up, which is very odd. And when they split up, a female vampire is watching Giles as he walks away. Buffy is saying, stay away from me to Dracula. And Dracula's approaching her and he's like, are you afraid I'll bite you? Slayer, that's why you came. And she's like, no, last night is never going to happen again. 
And he says, stop me, stake me. And she says, yep, any minute now. And he says, do you know why you cannot resist? And she says, because you're famous. <laughs> that is such a funny line to me. It's just, it's just a loaded line. Because now that we're after the whole mm. Me Too movement with Harvey mm. Weinstein and the fact that Joss Whedon got mixed up in that, was is part of that movement in how he treated his female stars is just like whoa, and and continues right. I mean, yeah. How many how many women does Joss Whedon use the line? You know, I created Buffy like on. It's just, uh. Right. So that's so, I mean that's not what this is implying. I think when it was written, but that's the that's the weight that it carries now. Well, no, but I think you're right to make the connection because part of Dracula's look is he looks like some kind of um, like '90s you know, soft rock band star, right? Right, Like, yeah. he's got that look to him. And I so I think Buffy's comment is to make this point of, like, famous kind of good-looking celebrities, you know, people fall for them. People are like, yeah, like, I'd go out with this person if yeah. they asked me out. They're so, starstruck. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Buffy says, my friends, and he says, they're here. They will not find us. We are alone. Always alone. And of course, that resonates with Buffy. And Dracula is circling her now. He's like, there is so much I have to teach you, your history, your power, what your body is capable of. And Buffy's like, I don't need to know. And Dracula, Dracula says, you long to know, and you will have eternity to discover yourself. So I find this really interesting. So he's seducing her, right? He's manipulating her, he's seducing her. But this reminds me of Restless when we met Senea and she was also circling Buffy and talking about your power, right? And where it comes from. And Dracula is basically doing this too. And he's talking about where your power comes from and who are you? And I'm, I think one time you and I discussed if a slayer is turned into a vampire, does her slayer power remain or does it just become vampire power? And I think here Dracula might be suggesting that she would keep her power because he says, if I make you immortal, if I make you a vampire, you have way longer to discover your slayer powers. So, I mean, that could be part of the seduction, but it, that's an interesting line. Um, he says, but first, a little taste. And Buffy's like, I, want, I won't let you. And he says, I didn't mean me. Oh, so... Riley is like trying to open locked doors. Uh, Xander comes out of one and he's like, nobody harms my master. You want him? You come through me. And Riley just punches him out immediately. And Xander gets knocked out and Riley's just like, okie dokie. So well done, Riley. I'm very conflicted about this scene because who am I supposed to be cheering for here? (laughs) I don't like Xander. I don't like Riley. Does not compute. <laughs> I'm cheering. I'm cheering for neither and both, if that makes any sense. Because Xander's under a spell, and you know he got punched out, and that's too bad. But it's also Xander, hilarious. And when Angel punched him out, that was hilarious too. Uh, so good for Riley for doing that. Oh my god, I forgot about Angel punching him out. Angel did it first, of course. He always he always gets yes. there first, doesn't he? Yes. There, <laughs> this has to be a tradition with right? Buffy's boyfriends, right? So so this is why I'm like ah, I'm on Riley. Riley's side for this, although, uh, yeah, I, at the same time, Xander can't help it, but she, he has to get him out of the out of the way. So, meanwhile, Giles opens a door, and he just walks in and falls, falls like a couple feet lower. <laughs> and when he gets to the bottom, I almost died when the he said this. castle's not to code. It's at all. And also, like, why would you just walk in there, Giles? And um, I love what he says. He says, good show, Giles. At least you didn't get knocked out for a change. <laughs> 
Meta. And this adds to my fanfic theory that I said at the beginning. I was like, it seems like someone watched the entire show and was like, this is going to happen and he's going to say this because it's true. You might be onto something. Right? So um, three vampires, women vampires, crawl up on him. And he's like, oh, you're the three sisters, yes? Uh, like, uh, And he's like really like trying not to like it. But there's these three sisters and i don't know the lore behind them in dracula um but they start rubbing up on him and licking him and and moaning and ripping his shirt open and obviously it's for his enjoyment but his horror as well so uh dracula says all these years fighting us your power so near to your own you've never once wanted to know what we fight for never even a taste and he scratches his arm and there's blood there and buffy's like if i drink that and he says like you won't turn into a vampire because you have to be in your death for that um and it comes only when you when you uh, plead for it and Buffy says, I'm not hungry. <laughs> he says, your craving goes deeper than that. You think you know what you are, what's to come. You haven't even begun. <gasps> there it is. There it is again. The quote that, Tar- that Tara said in her dream um, in Restless. So it's been repeated again. And um, Buffy is fully seduced and she slowly lowers or lifts his arm to her face and she starts to drink from it. And as she's drinking from it, he's like, Find it, the darkness, find your true nature. And uh, she gets a flash of like blood cells, like she sees like all these blood cells and blood pumping and her running through the cemetery and her slaying and Senea and she sees all these things. And this is interesting to me because again, so Dracula has repeated what was said in Restless about what you're going to become, what you don't know. And mm-hmm. Buffy is allowing herself to be mesmerized by Dracula, right? She fa- she falls under his thrall, as she says. And I think what, the, what Dracula is trying to say here is that your power is very much tied to vampires. It's tied to darkness. And I think this might be a reason why Buffy is able to be controlled. Because, again, Dracula is not the first person to mind control her. The master did so as well. And he wanted to feed off of her because her blood was the key to him escaping his magical prison. Mm-hmm. So you're right. There is a, a sympathetic magic, a bond here where, you know, Buffy's blood as the blood of the Slayer is valuable and important to vampires who have certain knowledge. Right? Yeah, and I think before we had said like maybe it gives them a, like a leg up, maybe it gives them like extra energy or something. But now we're starting to I feel learn. Like a l- it's Coke. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like a Red Bull. Um, <laughs> but now I'm starting to think it's it's a lot more about that darkness of sharing each other's blood, that just that dark parallel, and it's one of the reasons why right. Buffy's nature, it not only is her life and her destiny shrouded in darkness, but she's often drawn. To darkness well and and that's why i said at the beginning of this episode that i think this episode of the show as an opener for season five it's 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 so good it's so good you know i've said this before but every buffy season premiere is about buffy finding her groove she's lost her groove and she has to get her back in this episode um it's she's out there slaying but it's feeling empty it's not fulfilling her it's not sating her thirst to slay because of what happened at the end of the last season. And her confrontation with Dracula here is just as powerful as Anne in season three, where, you know, she she looks up and, she, you know, the guy's like, who are you? And she's supposed to say no one. And she says, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's this 
kick-ass moment. It's the same thing here where Dracula is baiting her and mesmerizing her, as you said, and she's supposed to fall for it. And then she doesn't and she comes back to herself. But now because the lore is deeper, um, she's rooting herself in what he's saying, right? She's saying, yes, my power comes from this line of slayers from this blood. And, and I don't want to get into spoiler territory, obviously. But I will just say this, perhaps cryptic thing. But if you know, you know. Season 5 begins with Summer's Blood. And it ends with Summer's Blood. Mm-hmm. It is this incredible symmetry. It's so well planned. When you, when, once you've watched the whole season, if you watch The Gift and then you go back and you watch this episode... Everything that gets laid out in the gift gets laid out here. It like it's all there. Um and I love it. So mm-hmm. that that's why this episode to me works so well is because it is such a campy and funny episode, but at the same time there's some really serious stuff happening that's building like you pointed out on what we learned in Restless, but it's also completely laying the foundation for what's going to happen with Buffy in season five. Yeah. And I also want to point out that it's, it's a callback to what happened with the master and prophecy girls. And I don't know if the episode yep. means to call back to season one. I think it does though, because I, I mean, we had the callback to Moloch as well, right? Like, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, we're kind of summing up all the seasons. Maybe this season's going to be all about paying homage to these older seasons. But let's not forget that Buffy was also hypnotized and in a, in a not a sexual way seduced by the master. He fed on her. She died, but she came back more powerful or with the confidence and the strength to kill him. So same thing's happening in this episode with Dracula, just a lot faster and less dramatic. But yeah, it's definitely something that we're going to have to keep watching um, as we go. That blood, Buffy's blood does really matter, especially in a series, of course, as we can learn from Prophecy Girl, but for the season as well. So Buffy has this shot of Senea, the first slayer, and she looks up from drinking the blood and she's like, wow. And then she pushes Dracula back so hard that he flies onto the table and she's like, that was gross. <laughs> So he gets up and he's like, you're resisting. And she's like, looks like. And he says, come here, come to me. And she's like, you know, I really think the thrall has gone out of our relationship. But I want to thank you for opening up my eyes a little. And he's like, what is this? And she's like, my true nature want to taste. And he attacks her and she jumps right over him. (laughs) And they start to fight. And he is pretty strong. He manages to throw her like across the room a couple times. We cut to Riley, who almost also falls into this room pit, uh, but he sees Giles getting seduced by all these vamps. Um, so he throws a co- cross to him and they all scatter away. And he's like, Giles, come on. And Giles is really delirious. And he's like, oh, good. I, I didn't think it was possible to escape. And then Riley's pulling him up and he's like, no, I lost my shoes. Silly me. I have to go back. <laughs> and Riley calls it a chick pit, right? He's like, no more chick pit for you. Riley, take some pity on Giles. It's been a long time since he got some from Olivia, okay? Right. Um, but this is why I was like, what is going on with the vampires? So, like, these are three normal female vampires, but I guess they're under the whole Dracula lore. Like, we are the three yeah, part, sisters. Part of the lore in Bram Stoker's Dracula is that he can control other, other vampires, right? right? And so he sends some female vampires to seduce uh a harker you know jonathan harker the 
Keanu yeah. Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, don't, I don't. He'd be played by Jonathan in the movie. Um. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I'm just saying, like, why would vampires, the ones that we know, the modern vampires that we know, wouldn't do this? They're all like biker chicks. Well, and they, these are Drusilla wannabes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, good point. Good point. So anyway, I just was like, what is this? What's weird? So. Buffy and Dracula are still Dracula are still fighting. At one point, she hits him with a chair. It's really funny. Um, she grabs a torch and she holds it up, and she's like, "A guy like you should think about going electric seriously." And he fades into mist. But Buffy's so smart, she drops the torch and she runs. She grabs her stake and she parkours up to the top of the stairs where she can see the mist reforming. And as soon as Dracula reforms, she stakes him, and he looks shocked. And she says, "How do you like my darkness now?" <laughs> So he rolls onto the stairs and dusts while he's moving. It's a pretty cool effect. Buffy falls, you know, walks down the stairs as Giles and Riley enter. And she's like, I'm okay, chock full of free will. And Giles is like, what about Dracula? And she says he's Euro trashed. So Xander runs in with a torch in his hand. He's like, where is he? Where's the creep who turned me into a spider eating man bitch? And Buffy's like, he's gone. And Xander's like, you know what? I'm sick of this crap. I'm sick of being the guy who eats insects and gets the funny syphilis. As of this moment, it's over. I'm finished being everybody's butt monkey. And you tell they want to laugh, but Buffy's just like, yep, no butt monkey. Got it. And Riley says, it could have been worse. At least you weren't making time with Dracula, with the Dracu babes like Giles over here. And Giles like is protesting. He's like, I wasn't making time. <laughs> He's like, I-, I was about to kill those loathsome creatures. <laughs> And you interrupted me. And Riley's like, what are you going to do? Nuzzle them to death? And I just like this dynamic, right? So they're all leaving. And um, we see the mist reform. And Dracula comes back. He returns. But Buffy is right there to stake him again. And she says, you think I don't watch your movies? You always come back. And then he dusts again. And then he immediately starts to reform again. And Buffy's like, I'm standing right here. And then he goes away and is dusted forever. (laughs) I, I I really like that. Yeah. I think it's cute. I think it's cute that she couldn't like kill him permanently, or at least you know, not that way. Yeah. Um. Right. Because the the lore in the movie is well, we keep saying the the book. Um. You don't just stake them. You drive a stake through their heart with a hammer um, while you, they're sleeping in their yeah you need while a they're hammer. sleeping in their coffin. Yeah. Um. And the stake has to stay there, right? Otherwise, they could come back. Yeah, <laughs> the lore is different. Um, but she defeated him, yay. So the next day, Buffy is at Giles's house because he asked her to come and he sits her down and she notices there's cookies. Like he offers her tea, she says no, but she's like, oh, like what did I get to like, you know, deserve the, tre- the cookie treatment? And he's like, I got something to tell you. And she says, well, I have something to say too. And he's like, you go first. So Buffy says, you haven't been my watcher for a while and I haven't been training and I haven't really needed to come to you for help. And Giles agrees with this. And Buffy says, this whole thing with Dracula made me face up to some stuff. Ever since we did that spell when we called on the first Slayer, I've been going out a lot every night. And Giles is like patrolling. And she says, hunting. That's what Dracula called it. And he was right. He understood my power better than I do. He saw darkness in it. So again, this is, I think, where, again, we see that parallel between vampire darkness and like, you know, the the darkness underworld and how Buffy plays into that. It's not just the light that Buffy has. There's something dark in her too, something that seeks out danger and darkness. When I think about how Dracula manipulated and seduced Buffy in this episode, we're going to see that again. Like so when so 
she was attracted to Angel. Angel was a dark creature, but he had a soul, right? So that's a little bit different. But here we have Dracula manipulating and seducing her. And then I think in the future, again, no spoilers here, but we'll see other dark creatures that manipulate and seduce her. Here I just thought it was, you know, straight girl <laughs> likes the bad girl voice. <laughs> I think it's deeper than that. I mean, that's a bit of it, obviously, if you wanted to follow a metaphor. But I think that's there's definitely something here about dark soulless creatures that have some sort of mystical hold over Buffy in a lot of ways. And it could be because, like we're saying earlier, she's similar to them in some ways, and they sense that. Also, that's another way for us to think about Faith, right? And why she was so easily seduced by the dark side. So Buffy says, I need to know more about this, right? About where I come from, about the other slayers. Maybe if I can learn to control this thing, I could be stronger. I could be better but I'm scared. I know it's going to be hard and I can't do it without you. I need your help. I need you to be my watcher again. Oh, I know. And Giles is taking this in and Buffy says, well, uh, what did you want to say? And he says, nothing. Right. And he drinks his tea. I like this a lot. I like this a lot. But at first I didn't. At first I was like wondering, I was like, does this undermine the idea that Buffy is truly in charge if she needs a man in power Mm, over her. Okay, interesting. However, I decided in the end that I liked it. And it's because this quest and this initiative is completely 100% driven by Buffy. It's not anyone else's priority but hers. It's not the council. It's not Giles doing a job. It's Buffy asking her father figure and the wisest person she knows for help. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I didn't think about it at all that way. Mm. I just thought about it like you just said. But I like that you thought about it and then you decided, well, this is what's actually happening. She's being independent because I agree. And I, that's what makes it touching, right? Is it, it's not that she got saddled with Giles as her watcher. It's Giles, you know, can you be my dad? <laughs> I can't go this far without you, basically. And he needed to hear that. So... We cut to Joyce's house upstairs. Buffy's telling Joyce, uh, who's in her room, that uh, her and Riley are going to the movies. Joyce is like, have a good time. And Buffy's like, uh, she goes into her room. And there's a there's a girl in there. Harriet the spy is standing in Buffy's room, <laughs> spying up a storm. And Buffy says sternly, what are you doing here, Harriet? She didn't say Harriet. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing here? And Joyce is like, Buffy, if you're going out, why don't you take your sister? And Buffy hears this and turns around and then both her and Harriet say, Mom! And we fade to black. You, can you explain the Harriet reference, please? I don't. If, if anyone has seen Harriet the Spy, it's a children's movie from the 90s starring this little girl here and Rosie O'Donnell. Okay. And it's delightful. Okay. Yeah, what's going on? Who the, um, who the fuck is this? Well, it's apparently Buffy's sister. <laughs> Joyce is really high. Joyce did mom did you let another little a girl guide Joyce, into the house Joyce kidnapped your kid Joyce stay stop letting strangers inside B stop kidnapping children and bringing them inside or this girl's part of Joyce's hustle scheme she traffics drugs for her to the schools oh my god because Buffy doesn't want to hang out with Joyce anymore so Joyce has a surrogate daughter that she's teaching her grifter ways Jesus 
She's, she's got like, a con artist daughter. This is what she meant all the way back in season three when she was on Band Candy. And she was like, I wanted a daughter, but I got a slayer. So she went and found herself. That's where she was all last year. She was out there searching for the right little girl. She was trading the replacement. Oh, my goodness. That is so interesting. Joyce, you are truly a criminal mastermind. <laughs> When you're not high and inviting vampires inside, you are up to no good, stealing children and manipulating them into doing your schemes. So I can't wait to find out what happens with this um, little girl with Harriet the Spy. I'm surprised to see her here. Can't wait to find to hear Joyce explain this one. Are we in an alternate reality, maybe? There's lots of stuff going on. Who's your hero? My hero is going to be Willow. Controversial choice, I know. Willow doesn't actually do that much in this episode. I was going to say, yeah. sidelined. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> um, which is very interesting to me. I'm choosing Willow as my hero because she tries so hard to, like, keep Giles a secret, but also, like, remind everybody of how important Giles is. And I just think it's really sweet. And I think everybody in this episode is just so focused on Dracula and on Dracula biting Buffy and stuff. Willow leaps to Buffy's defense. <laughs> um, you know, she's like, well, you know, we're just so concerned about you, right? She's not accusing Buffy like Riley was. Willow's here for people in this episode. You know, she's very supportive. Mm. And, and I appreciate that about her. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, I was originally going to pick Riley uh, because I just think he like really spearheaded the search for Dracula. But now after we talked about him and I'm a little bit annoyed with him, um, I'm changing my mind. It's going to be Moloch the Corrupter for attempting to make his way back into Praise our lives. Moloch. Praise him. Praise him. One thing I want to note about Riley before we end off this episode is that do you notice that the three men in this episode were feeling really insecure about this and that? And Giles, you know, at the end of this episode... He got a really beautiful scene with Buffy where she says, I still need you. And he now has purpose. Xander makes a self-proclamation at the end of his ordeal, this episode, and says, I'm making a change, so help me God. And I, we'll have to see if he does or not. But he's like, okay, this was, I'm not eating bugs anymore. That's it. So we'll see what happens with him. Nothing happens for Riley. Riley doesn't get to end the episode with Buffy, you know, kissing him and being like, you're all I need. Right? Riley's insecurity no, goes unchecked. She needs a real man in her life. She needs Giles. <laughs> she needs daddy. So And again, they don't talk about what happened in this episode where he's like so confrontational with her. And so insecure. They don't talk about it. So that's what I'm saying. He doesn't get a scene where Buffy explains it's, it. Riley's the anti-hero of this episode. <laughs> he just get he gets he got shafted once again. So that's interesting so anyway so what a great opener not my favorite season opener but i will say that this was a really good carry on from restless agreed so before we go into our hot stakes did you want to talk just briefly about um what you said two weeks ago and some reactions or three weeks ago, right? Yeah, I guess three weeks ago. Uh, so when I talked about, yeah, like the the people that were criticizing me for 
going too easy on Angel, I guess. I just wanted to say thank you. There are so many people that reached out to say, to show support. And people apparently would fight for us, Kara. <laughs> did, you, did you get that sentiment? People are like, where, where are you? My gloves are off. I'm taking my earrings off. Like, you know. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it, right? And yeah. again, we're not, we're not here to be like, oh my goodness, we're the victims or anything. No, no, no. Um, but we just, we appreciate it, right? Like we, we're glad that the majority of people listening to this show call us out when you need to call us out but at the same time it's like yeah we are we are doing this to have fun with all of you right we're watching the show we're going to criticize it but we're also gonna be fangirls at yeah, times yeah yeah and, and just the support is really really lovely to hear and i really appreciate it and so does Kara. but also i we Kara and i actually think that it's beneficial um to share our experiences with a podcast that keeps growing and we have a large audience and we do get people writing into us every day to share their thoughts. And, you know, it might be beneficial to others to hear what happens when podcasters have an audience that grows the way ours has. It comes with, with great things and it comes with bad things. And we want to share this experience with everybody. And that's why we share, you know, what we go through sometimes. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to hot stakes, uh, let's start out with the fact that in our recap of Restless, we talked about the Greek writing on Tara's back. Willow was painting uh, ancient Greek letters onto Tara's back. And I'm like, it probably means something, but I don't read ancient Greek. Maybe one of our listeners could write in and tell us. Surely. Oh boy, Steph. A lot of people wrote into us, uh, talked to us on social media, dropped things in the Discord. So thank you so much to everybody who meant, like, there's too many to mention you all by name. Um, I'm going to shout out a few people because y'all mentioned you had classics degrees. And I'm just like, <laughs> you must have felt like this was your time, right? Yeah. Like you went to school for to, to read these languages. And now you're like, Finally. To hear prophecy girls and correct us is why is why you got that degree. <laughs> um so so thanks to Rachel, Esmer, and Charlotte in particular. Um, you know, all of you kind of stepped up and provided like translations of this poem. So it, it's a love poem by Sappho, um uh who's famously uh she comes from the Isle of Lesbos off the coast of Greece and like, she's the most famous lesbian, right? Like, Lesbos um, and Sappho are the roots of lesbian and sapphic. And this is an ode to Aphrodite. And um, if you like, if you read a translation, you'll see there's actually a lot of references to um, ways in which Willow and Tara's relationship might develop in the future. And I'm just going to leave it there because we don't want to spoil anything. Mm -hmm. But... As with most of Restless, there was a lot of foreshadowing, and, and clearly the writers put a lot of effort into such a, uh, a a layered reference there. So thanks so much for everybody writing in. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, so sorry that we can't shout everybody out, but it was just one of those things where we asked and y'all answered. <laughs> Yeah, thanks everybody. Honestly, we we love the backup. We really do. Uh, we've got more hot stakes. Um, some people wrote in just to say fun facts about Restless and and season four in general, and we should share them here. Kelvin wrote in to talk about floppy disks because he says Adam's floppy disks aren't floppy disks. <laughs> they're magneto they're magneto optical disks, and they can hold up to two point six gigabytes. Uh, they weren't used that much, but being a te high tech government institution could definitely use them. The tech eventually turned into mini disks, which was more commercially popular. So thanks, Kelvin. Uh, cool. I still like to say floppy disk and I will say it 
until the end of this podcast. Um, but thank you. Alexandra wanted to let us know that actually in Restless, Angel was supposed to be Buffy's spirit guide, not Tara. But David Boreanaz couldn't come over because of a scheduling conflict. And uh, she says that Angel's absence in Buffy's dream is extremely noticeable and realistic, which I agree with. Uh, because, because Angel is way too important to Buffy as a character to not be present in this prophetic like dream. Um, so it's too bad that these obviously schedules couldn't align. And she also wants to say that Cordelia's absence in Willow's dream is notable as well. She was supposed to be in there. Um, but Charisma, just like David, is also on Angel and couldn't make the switch over. So if Angel was going to be the spirit guide instead of Tara, would he have worn the same outfit? God, I hope so, because that means his stomach would be out. <laughs> uh, finally, we've got Lucia, who says, Restless is in my top five Buffy episodes. It's so fun and wacky, but also really insightful. Uh, it gets to say, hey, we're going to lay out and sum up all our main characters' arcs and insecurities in the most David Lynch way possible. As someone who got into the series years after it aired, I must say I cannot imagine watching this episode on primetime television and waiting months before seeing the next season. I would have probably been more pissed than odd. So I would love to hear what someone thought of this episode that first saw it back then in the pre-streaming world. Um, so we wanted to include this hot state because, you know, we were also playing catch up when we were watching Buffy for the first time. Um, I, I think the, the only season I watched kind of on first broadcast was season seven. Same. Maybe season six. So, uh, yeah, if anybody out there is a Buffy OG first broadcast fan, let us know what was it like, the gap between Restless and this season. And I, I think this is it was a smart move of the show to drop in Joyce's new daughter at the end of this episode, not at the end of Restless, because, wow, can you imagine if you had to wait a whole summer before you found out who Joyce's new daughter is? Like, and where she got her? <laughs> right? LA. <laughs> uh, thank you everybody for your hot steaks and also just a couple of shout outs to some new buy me a coffee supporters uh carrie and tabitha um thank you so much for your support and thank you as always to our chosen ones lizzie emma hannah tisa holly kyle kayla destiny brady erica jordan allison Lena, Jace, Julian, Haley, Nicola, Tasha, and Luis. All right. This was a fun season premiere. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week